morning, everybody. We're back at it again. This is our third episode in a month. We've been really productive this month, I, I guess, apparently. I don't feel that productive, but we're uh, kicking it out. Yeah, I mean, this is our 34th episode. Something like that. So that's pretty cool. That's like a long time mm-hmm. to have been doing this. I guess when we started it, I didn't ever really think we'd get to this number. But sooner yeah. sooner than later, 100 will roll around and I'll say the same thing. Yeah. How did we get how, here? How, how did, did I get here? How did we get here? <laughs> the game of how did she get here? Yeah. Anyway. anyway. So <laughs> we thank our sponsors again, Electro Voice, SK Coffee, Oleo. Thanks. All Thanks. right. Yeah, right back out. into it. So you've had a busy couple of weeks, Megan. You were just down in South by Southwest. You kind of flew back here, met you guys out for drinks, and you and Maddie had a show at Shamrock, the Shamrock Shake, I call it. What is it called? Cloverfest? Cloverfest <laughs> yeah. here in Minneapolis, the Shamrock Shake, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it. So how was South by Southwest? It was really cool. The initial plan was that on the 13th, I was supposed to go down and play South by Southwest at Voodoo. And then the next day I was supposed to do Grand Rapids in Michigan with Maddie. And I was supposed to meet her out there for that date. And mm-hmm. then the following day we were supposed to do Fargo, North Dakota together. And then we were going to drive back to Minneapolis back here for the Cloverfest date. But this thing called a bomb cyclone decided to hit Colorado. Wait, you can't say bomb. What? What is this? The TSA? Wait, what? It's a real, that's the, what it's really called? They li- the weather, like the weather people were calling it a bomb cyclone. Meaning it's like really cool. I, I kind of like laughed about that because uh, it definitely is a weird, who picked those two words to go together? I don't yeah, know, I unless know. they're trying to be funny, but they called it a bomb cyclone. They were saying it was essentially a snow hurricane. Like the formation of the clouds was like a, the eye of a hurricane, Whoa. but it was snowing. Crazy. So I don't really know how that works. That would hap- That happened. And so Maddie was unable to f- take her initial flight out to Grand Rapids. And then we tried to reschedule her to go to Fargo the next day. And they couldn't do that either. And she contemplated trying to maybe figure out how to get to Austin somehow just because those two shows were being canceled on the tour and we decided to rebook them in duality. So sh- she wanted to come hang out with me down in Austin where it was warm, but also obviously couldn't get out yeah. of Denver so at she all. So was, she was stranded in Denver with the, in the exactly. eye of the And I was very sadly stranded in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest. So yeah, it's a good place to be stranded. Nice weather. Yeah, it was know. like about... It's a bummer that the shows didn't... 75 That the, the shows have to get like rescheduled, but like if you're going to be stranded at yeah, a place, no, it's not Yeah, no, it always is a bummer to, to have to do that because you just feel guilty... Regardless of if it's your fault or not, you right? Know, and you, are you guys uh, force major? We'll be rebooking. It wasn't Maddie's yeah. fault. So anyway, we have a couple more shows coming up this following week that I think we'll be done with by the time that this podcast comes out. But we're doing a little mountain tour. Hopefully, everything goes smoothly with that this weekend. But yeah, South by Southwest was super awesome. I got to hang out with my management, which I don't get to see a lot because they live in Austin. And they also have a lot of other larger acts that are constantly touring. So they're TMing with them or going to hang out at much cooler places. Right. (laughs) And so it was nice to be able to hang out with Cole and Koshi and Lauren and Nicole and Holly. Shout out to Pivotal, Jesse Breda, John, Symbionic, all those, all the homies, the Gravitas people. And the show went really well. It was actually, I was supposed to be playing in the basement 
or not the basement, the main floor of this venue called Voodoo. And then upstairs, right after me, they were going to have the break science boys. Mm-hmm. But the the boys were like, why are they doing that? Why isn't Megan playing with, like, right before us? This makes, like, zero sense. It should just be on the same stage. Plus, we're both hybrid acts. Like, we both are doing the live instrumentation thing. Right. So they decided, like, last minute, like, literally during soundcheck to move me to direct support upstairs before the break science boys. And that was a super blast. The The room was long and rectangular, sort of like a loft, if you've ever been in Minneapolis, but more finished. And they had a void sound system in there. And one of the ones that looks like the old school, like, gramophone oh, yeah. speakers, yep. um, they were white, so they can projector map onto them. Oh, tight. Yeah. And even the, the stage monitors were void as well. That's so really it was, cool. the room sounded fantastic. And that was a blast. And I actually got to bring my guitar for the first time that I've ever brought my own guitar. I played guitar in Colorado for the Denver and Fort Collins dates, but I borrowed a shout out to Homemade Spaceship and Max Doucette from Skydive for letting me borrow their guitars for those two shows. But in between that, that was like a week ago, I guess. Now, in between that show and this show, I was like, I need to get my own shit. So I went and bought a uh, gem, an Ibanez gem, the typical or the... The Steve Vai guitar like with the, the handle. Steve yeah, the Vi. flagship yeah. Steve Vai. And it has like the little handle on it. It's hot pink. It's got rainbow colored strings. It's pretty ridiculous. I was going to buy this like cute little semi hollow that was really bluesy and, and red, my favorite color. Mm-hmm. But I was playing it and I saw this hot pink, ridiculous, flamboyant, flaming thing across the room. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like obligated to buy that, especially because it was the same price as the one I was playing. So I was like, bag them up. <laughs> and uh, I walked out of there with a grab myself a TSA case, which made, traveling with it was yeah. actually really you didn't easy. Have any, you didn't have any damage that no you noticed? No problem at all. No That's problems good. at That's all. Good. And the case locks, so I feel I'm, I'm always happy concerned with that. about that, like bringing my cases, even though they're not TSA approved or like TSA. It's safe, scary. You know, it honestly I gave me don't. anxiety. I didn't sleep very well the night before flying people, out because like, it was my first around, time. You know? Yeah. And they also s- just like having, like, I've never had to check baggage when I'm play a show really, unless it's right. a camping festival. And for some reason I'm having to bring up a, a bunch of extra crap, but I've never had to travel with my, with something that I've had to check and especially something that I just spent a lot of money on. So it made me very nervous to know that I, it was going to be taken out of my hands. But I had a great experience with it, actually. Everything went well, knock on wood. And I don't think I'll have anxiety moving forward having to travel with it. But I did That's good. definitely freak out a little bit. That kind of relieves a lot of anxiety bit. from my perspective, too, because I've never done that and I've never trusted that. Yeah. And now maybe I will. Yeah. And maybe I, I won't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I think it's also smart don't. to, like, insure your guitar then, yeah. and then you're good to go. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it was the first time traveling with a guitar, and it was really cool because I was super fortunate uh, to have Borum and Adam Deitch from Break Science ask me to sit in with them. So I got to play guitar with Break Science, and that was really cool. That's I awesome. was a uh, fangirling inside even though i've known these guys for a long a hot minute and they are the most down-to-earth people on the planet and are the least intimidating people to be around ever it's just innately intimidating because borum's played with pretty lights and he's laid he's down lines PL, for tons PL of Live, other people right? yeah he uh, i mean adam plays for lettuce right. he's he's sat in with every they've both sat in with everybody ever 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody sit in with them. So I was just really flattered. And I don't know if they were just trying to be nice, but shout out to you guys because that was a really, really cool experience. And I was really grateful to be able to do that. But then, yeah, then the next morning I found out, you know, Maddie's flight had been canceled. And so I called and canceled mine, decided to hang out in Austin for the next couple of days. And it just so happened that like my favorite, this is so funny that that this happened, I guess, because last week's podcast episode on Album of the Week, my Album of the Week was Donna Missall's This Time, and I got to see Donna Missall twice, and it, two days in a row. She yeah, because you were only planning played, on just watching that one show, right? It, well, then, even that was ex- an exciting oh, surprise yeah. that I didn't find out about until like two days before I left. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about it last week on the episode. Oh, did we? Yeah, it must have been right when you found out about it. Yeah, though. it was very, very short in between the time that I found out she was playing the same day as me. And then when I found out I was going to be there again, I thought I would just check her schedule and see if she happened to be around it for the next couple days because I was going to be. And it turns out she played like six sets at South by Southwest. She played every single day at least once Mm -hmm. and some days twice. And so I was able to just kind of pick and choose I even I was even going to see her a third time, but I was too too much of a lazy shit at the time to get up by 1, 1 p.m. and get myself down to 6th Street to go see her. But I saw her twice, and as usual, she was unbelievable, one of the most inspiring acts I've ever seen. I can't say enough how big of a deal she's going to be really, really quick here. Mm-hmm. But it was super cool to see her. I definitely don't fangirl for a lot of people anymore, but I... I talked to her for like one second, just said good set. She said, thank you. I freak out. <laughs> like probably was, I don't know. The whole experience in general, South by Southwest was really, really fun despite That's missing crazy. those couple shows. So That's crazy. All right, here, uh, we'll take a breath for a second because Joel just showed up. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, Joel. Album of the week. All right, so that's a nice transition to the album of the week. Megan, what's your album of the week? Didn't you see somebody down there? Yeah, so right before I went to go see, uh, I went to go see Donna Missal at Empire in the garage, and there was it was a showcase. Um, I forget what the company or the the label was called, Neon Something Records. But anyway, they were doing a showcase at Empire, and I thought I swore to God I had seen the set times and that Donna was supposed to be on at seven thirty. And I like hustled all my homies and my management like to the show. I'm like, we are going to be here by 7.30. I swear to God, we're going to be early. I want to be in the front row. We're going. You all have to see this girl. Like we are going. So we get there only to find out that everything's been pushed back apparently because she didn't play until 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I'm like standing there and I think my initial mentality was like, okay, oh my God, I have to watch three other acts in front of her right now. Like all I want to do is see her and I don't know who these other people are and I don't care. I just want to see Donna Missal. They ended up blowing my mind. It was every single one, one after the other, it was fantastic. And one that really stuck out, the direct support for her was called, this band called Easy Life. And they're actually a huge deal already. So I'm sure some of you have maybe heard of them, but they played this song called Nightmares and it was immediately stuck in my head for the rest of the night. I heard it one time and I already knew the words. So it's awesome. it's great. I played the shit out of it <laughs> for the past like five days ever since I heard it. And everybody that I played in front of is like, who is this? What is this? Where do I get it? Send me this song. So go listen to it. So Nightmares, it Easy Life. Easy Life, Nightmares. And you know what's cool? We were just like looking this up beforehand. You're like, what album is that on? And they just pretty much do singles and EPs, which is cool because I'm looking at it. It's under whatever label that they're under is a... On, you know, under the umbrella of Universal Music Group, 
It says, my old company, Island Records. Very cool. And just looking at it, it seems really interesting. It seems like the music industry is kind of figuring it out maybe a little bit later than usual, but better late than never, right? Because they're just releasing singles and it seems like short EPs over the past two years, building into probably all I can assume is building into a full length release, which is the way it should be done these ways with digital, you know, distribution yeah, and whatnot. ADD. And so. people are too ADD. And you know what? It took a, it took the record labels and major labels a while to figure that out. But it seems like they're kind of figuring it out. Or at least they're trying it out, which is good. I don't know that they were not figuring out it out so much as they were trying to fight it. I feel like they felt like for a while if they could keep putting out these like quality albums yeah. that people might get back into the LP, but it just didn't happen. Well, I think that... No. I mean, that's, that's giving them a lot of credit. I, I worked <laughs> with a lot of people there. <laughs> And honestly, like I love all my old coworkers. They're really nice. They're really smart people. But at the same time, they're, for lack of a better term, there's a lot of that, a lot of dinosaurs in there. Mm-hmm. And there's a people at the, like the higher leadership who are very, very, very smart. And I respect them a lot. But there's a lot of people who are making decisions who are making the wrong decisions, or they are making the wrong decisions. And they're, you say trying to fight it. Yes, they are trying to fight it because they have pride and ego that think, and they think they know the way the music industry is going. Yeah, when in so fact, they, they call don't. it status quo bias. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah. what is your album of the week, Pat? Uh, my album of the week, <laughs> it's going to sound like really dated and basic, but people have been talking about this band for, psh, shit, I don't know, a year, year and a half now, and I keep hearing the name, and I thought it was a girl. And I was just like, oh, some... And like, I, I'm not saying that's why I haven't listened to it. I just didn't know. Uh, it's a band called Greta Van Fleet, and they're basically like a modern day Led Zeppelin. I'd say it's like Led Zeppelin 3.0 after Wolf Mother was Led Zeppelin 2.0, you know? But this guy, this singer, they're all from Michigan too. So I looked mm-hmm. it up and they named their band after a woman who lives in their town in Michigan, which is it's kind of goofy and there's no relation. It just kind of rolls <laughs> off the tongue. So they just named it Greta Van Fleet. And it, they, I think they just won like best new rock album or best rock EP or whatever from the Grammys. So like I said, this sounds super basic, but it's like Led Zeppelin has more songs. So well, it's funny you say this because you were just complaining, I think, on a recent podcast that nobody's been really coming out with any like classic rock or good rock anymore. And everybody's trying to copy like Leonard Skinner and Led Zeppelin and everybody ends doing a terrible job. Yeah, I mean, there's been a handful of bands out there, whether it be in the UK or here, that are doing blues rock in that style of Led Zeppelin. You call them a blues rock band or like a classic rock band. And it it's, hasn't really clicked enough to bring back the genre. And somebody famous, I believe it was Kurt Cobain, in fact, I know it was, once said that rock, rock and roll rears its ugly head about every 10 years. And from the late 60s onwards into the 90s, that was about right. But at the end of the 90s, it just kind of went away. And it was a lot of like pop rap that started hitting the radio for like the last really 15 to 20 years. I'm not talking about like hard rock bands, like butt rock bands, like, you know, Nickelback and those types types of groups because they always they always have their market. Oh, my God. By the way, really quickly, somebody just related mumble rappers to people that listen to Pearl Jam and it made me laugh my ass off. That's kind of funny. (laughs) But yeah, so so these guys, it's kind of like they're quote bringing back rock and roll. You know, that remains to be seen. Uh, the the EP I guess I'm going to pick is Black Smoke Rising. I've never listened to it all, so I'm excited to listen to my own album of the week. I'm just going to pick it because <laughs> cool. I was looking it up recently. Yeah, get and it. And I looked, I, I looked at some of their videos. 
they sound like such a Led Zeppelin ripoff to the point where I don't even know if I'm going to like them. I might end up hating them because it's like, do your own thing, dudes. It's that almost, it's that close. Mm. And Robert Plant has even said, Robert Plant, the lead singer, the infamous lead singer of Led Zeppelin, has quoted as saying, the guy has a good voice. Seems like he's got found himself a nice job. Seems very reminiscent, like he borrowed some material from somebody I know very well, like meaning yes, himself, yeah, right? Yeah, that's hilarious. And he's like, basically, these guys are Led Zeppelin one. And if you go back and listen to the songs, like the three songs I listen to sounds like direct ripoff of some songs on Led Zeppelin one, just with different riffs or different chords. Mm. It's, I might end up hating it. I might like it. I don't know. So well, you go, there you go, guys. Go check it out. Go check it out and tell Pat if you picked a shitty. Album I might that. I have picked a shitty one. It might be. <laughs> it might be too lame. Like it's like Wolf Mother, though. You know, when Wolf Mother came out, I was like, oh, they're ripping off Zeppelin and and Sabbath, and I inherently hate them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you go back and listen to it, and like they have some pretty cool songs. It might be the same. Might be the same story here. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there we go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So that's album of the week. We have one other thing to talk about that is kind of funny before uh, oh, we get okay. into the interview. <laughs> this is and great. we talked about this briefly a couple weeks ago on an episode. Maybe it was last week's episode. I can't remember. I but don't we know. T- it was very recent, though. We were I talking just about brought this hot up. '90s sitcom babes, right? Yes. And you talked about uh, what's her name, Lori Loughlin. Lori Loughlin. AKA John I said, Stamos. Well, you had brought up like like Jessica Biel. No, I, I think I brought up Jessica Biel as well. But Topanga, Topanga, um, whatever. We were talking yeah, about nineties. Yeah, Kelly Kapowski, the nineties hotties, and Lori Laughlin. I said had to be brought into yeah, this. Yeah, so Lori Laughlin. She's sort of a milf more than like yeah, yeah, you know the other women that we were comparing her to. Yeah, she's John Stamos's wife in Full House. Rebecca or girlfriend. And yeah. Full House, right. more like Big House, <laughs> because <Yeah>. Lori Laughlin <laughs> just got indicted. Uh, she tried to. She tried and I think successfully bribed USC. With $500,000 to let her daughters in. and Half a mil each. So she paid a million dollars to USC to get both of her daughters Yeah, in. and then um, uh, it, it got out, and she was put into jail, and she was bailed out for a million dollars. So uh, she, And her daughters were kicked out of USC. So she essentially lost $2 million. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just talking about her because of the hotties thing, and also because um, she plays... she's. She's the, the body model yeah. that they used for Mystique in, I believe it's the third X-Men, The Last Stand. Okay. The one with Jane Grey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, Rebecca, you know what used to confuse me when I was growing up? Hmm. That John Stamos in real life was married to or dating Rebecca Romaine, the model. And I used to think that Rebecca from Full House, his fake wife, and Rebecca Romaine were the same person. Really? Well, I was a confused huh. child growing up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that I thought that deeply into it. I think I definitely had an unknown crush on Rebecca that I was unaware of personally. I just thought I wanted to be her. Yeah. But you know how that'll go. Hey, do you remember <laughs> Do you remember when uh, Jesse and the Rippers, his band from Full House, when they used to be a rock band? Oh, my band, God. Did you just say Jesse and the Rippers yes. to me? Yes. Do you remember oh when- Oh, my God. Do you remember when they went from a rock band, like they did covers like of My Sharona by The Knack, which is a great oh song. Oh, my God. Do you yeah, remember yeah. they did that? And then do you remember- Yeah. Hold up. But you remember like later in- the episodes and the seasons when they got married and they had those two dorky twin the kids twins. because you had to have twins on full house apparently yeah what was i don't with know that? what the deal is with that but you had to do it 
And so they had the twins. And then remember, he wrote a song and had a music video and it was all sappy and lame. I don't remember that, but now I want to look it up. Jesse and the Rippers jumped the shark. That Dude. That's hilarious. Nice. What, what is that? The Foz? <laughs> yeah, the it's a ha- that's a Happy Days reference. Yeah. If you don't know what jump the shark is, go look it up. Go look it up. Go look it up and yeah. educate yourself. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I, I wonder if they did any funk covers. Jesse and the Rippers? Yeah. Nah. They, right. only, they only knew two songs. Well, that segues <laughs> us into today's guest, the funk master, Father Funk. All hail. Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, it's Father Funk, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. special guest today i think this is our first guest megan that we've had from the uk actually in the uk when we're interviewing them and i'll let him introduce himself so go ahead will introduce yourself hello um my name is will um my dj name is father funk yeah i'm based in bristol in the uk i make sort of wobbly funky party music yeah good to be here thanks for having me guys yeah Yeah. it's awesome to finally have you on we've been trying to make this happen for a little while yeah we're both very busy so yeah (laughs) mum. yeah Totally. So I actually got to meet Will for the first time just this last summer, I guess. And it was more toward the end of the summer. But it's weird to think of it that way because I feel like I've known you for like years. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the but, worst possible context to meet you in, though, wasn't it? I was like... That was really funny. But then I saw <laughs> you again like the next weekend. So we played... Um, what was that first one? Um, Motion Notion? In Kelowna. Yeah, yeah, Motion Notion, which was very rainy and, like, kind of gloomy. It was a fun yeah, festival, I, but... I played at, like, 5 in the morning on the Sunday night, and then I had a, a bus at, like, 9 in the morning or something like that. And you well, were, it was you were funny, because I didn't you even know bus. you were there. So I, and I had yeah, slept, I didn't even like, know you night. were there. <laughs> it was fucking brutal. I walked brutal. out to the bus to go back to the airport, and Will's in there, and I'm like, I know you, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he was a little deceased from having been up all night. But then we saw each other at... Fozzy Fest. Fest, and you yeah, found yeah. me. You tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around and looked up seven feet because you're gigantic. <laughs> and I saw those legendary chops, and I was like, "What? It's you're here!" And you were in much better spirits. So, yeah, anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad we got to sort that out. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was a blast, dude. Fozzy Fest was, I think, one of my favorite festivals I've ever ever yeah, done. So. It's a real shame it's not happening there this year. It might not even be happening full stop, but it's definitely not happening at that same spot, which is a shame. Oh, man, that is really a shame. It was on uh, Lake Kukanusa. 
Yeah, man. Bukanusa. That's a fun word to say. It is. I think I I I talked about this on a different (laughs) podcast that we did, that Kukanusa, it was um, like a collaboration between the U.S. and Canada in naming that lake and that river. Yeah, 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 because the Kootenai River in Canada and the USA, Kukanusa. Kukanusa. That's a great fuck. (laughs) That is a good fact. (laughs) Every day is a school day. I drank coffee, bitches. Oh, yeah, she's awake. Oh, shit. Anyway. Megan was in rough shape about an hour ago. She's got some sort of he sickness. He walked in and I was straight sleeping on the couch. I was just like, just let yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you got to do that. I just got off a few day tour with Maddie, so needed a little sleep ski. But anyway, what do you got coming up here? On Friday, I've got my next Church of Love event. Nuns and Roses is the theme this time. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. We do hair metal hour, which is like we all get together and just play loads of classic rock and metal. Like last, it was kind of birthed at Shindig last year, and we 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 all didn't cut our hair for like three months, and then we all played <laughs> metal on stage, and then got our hair cut into mullets on stage at the festival. That's oh amazing. Oh my god, that is. Wait, amazing. so do you do you play an instrument, or do you guys just de- are you DJing metal? We're just, we're just DJing, yeah, just like. Not like mixing, really, just like having fun playing fucking classic rock and shit. Yeah. That's fucking cool. That is it's so much so, fun. So, Will, let's have you talk about Shindig, actually. I mean, there's Shindig, I think, and I've seen you at maybe, not seen you like physically, but I've uh, seen you on, on the lineup for like Boomtown, maybe. And have you ever done Glastonbury? Yeah, I've done Glastonbury maybe three or four times now. Okay, so uh, I think Shindig was the first one I saw you doing this Church of Love thing at. Because of Will Lardner. So do you want to talk a little bit about how like that came about? Yeah. Like... Um, well, basically, uh, the, Church, the Father Fantasy Church of Love is my event I put on in Bristol. Uh, we do maybe like three or four a year. Um, and Shindig, I played, I played at Shindig every single year since it, opened, since it started. I was actually the first person to play in the Get a Funk Light Club in the first year oh, when wow. it was just tiny, tiny, tiny. And um, and yeah, they um, offered us to have our own stage there, the Church of Love. And we built we built like this little tiny sort of like shed of a church and um <laughs> yeah we just have a lot of fun we all get get dressed up as nuns and priests and just like book all my friends and just have the best the best fucking time man Dude, um it's it kind of grown so and fun. grown each year like last year we built um an eight foot tall disco ball cross which like rotates and shit and we've got like a big <laughs> church church sign it's like 10 foot in the air and oh my god we do like drag disco Friday where we all get dresses on and play disco and then we had hair metal hour we all cut mullets on stage and shit it's like pretty fucking party party central basically yeah no shit this sounds awesome and I, okay. do you want to go next year megan or next time he's done dude do I, take a, we, we've been talking to will about doing shindig so it'll probably be this year or next year i'll come party with you but um cool man what is funny is that i don't remember what his name is right now but somebody wrote this parody of the lord's prayer for you where that was our father who art in funk you know oh yeah um thy breaks be blah 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 and yeah. um, I posted it once in quotes, you know, and, and credited you, but I got the biggest hate mail on the planet from this one person who said, how dare you mock my religion, this and that, <laughs> and just absolutely laid it on me. And then I, I messaged the guy back and I was like, I'm not mocking Will any religion. I didn't even write this. I just think it's it was hilarious. Will's fault. <laughs> yeah, it was Father Funk's fault. We've actually never got any any trouble from anyone about yeah, well, that shit. White people from America are fucking annoying. That's what it is. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, this social yeah, justice gonna, warrior had say. a shit fit over this hilarious parody of the Lord's Prayer that I had posted that I hadn't even written. That was just clearly something funny about music yeah, or whatever. Man. So then I blocked this motherfucker because he's harassing the shit out of me. Won't leave it alone. Keeps like, you know, just Bible thumping me 
every way possible in, in the messenger. Block the dude. He finds me on SoundCloud. Starts messaging me on SoundCloud. Fuck you, you Bible hater. Lip this and this and that. I block him on SoundCloud. And then the last straw, which I thought was just like, this is true crazy person status. He went to and found my email via my like merchandising website and sent me a big long email. Fucking he hell. like donated 50 cents to me or something on Bandcamp just so he could leave me a message that went to, to my direct email to tell me to fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Aren't they supposed to, like, forgive and shit? What? Aren't they supposed to, like, forgive you and shit? Yeah, that's... (laughs) The irony irony is really thick right there. I mean, like, you're supposed to be... You're supposed to let that shit slide off your back. I feel like, you know, it is the church of love, and I I think... I don't know, I've kind of become more... I've thought of think of it as its own religion rather rather than as a parody of religion. You know, I don't want to, like... I don't give a fuck about religion, but I do do respect people, and I don't want to upset anyone. Definitely. But I do feel like our, our religion does a lot more to make people happy than, than that does most of the time. You know? <laughs> like this, hey, this if you drug don't disco, sin, Jesus died for nothing. Yeah. This drug, the drug, drug disco Friday <laughs> thing we did at Shindig, man, one of the best stories of that. Like, yeah, we're all we're all there wearing dresses playing disco, and this mother's like, um, she's got a son who's like thirteen, and he feels like a man trapped in a woman's body, and he was, she was like, can we can you give him a dress to put on so he can like be a part of this? And like he was too shy, so his little brother put a dress on to make him feel better. <laughs> An hour later, this little kid came back, all dragged up, like loving it, with like full makeup on and shit, and we we're all just like crying our eyes out backstage, like how beautiful this shit is. So like, you know, you can't fucking tell me that we're, we're offensive because that's like beautiful, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah, that's totally. awesome. That is awesome. That's awesome. So the Church of Love. I guess I thought the Church of Love was a podcast because you do a podcast as well, right? Yeah. That, it's, it, well, the, the night came first, then the festival stage, then the podcast. Okay, so it is called the the podcast is the Church of Love as well. It's the Church of the Podcast, yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. And so you, you're you're pretty new to the podcast game. We're both pretty new to the podcast game, but you said this is you got like your eighth episode coming out this week. Yeah, something like that. Seven or seventh or eighth. Yeah. Yeah. How's that been going? Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, same with the Church of Love. I mean, the, whole, the Church of Love, like in general, is just kind of like quite a nice way to put all my homies into one banner. You know, like I don't know, WBBL, Extra Ted, Bear Twists, Howler, Too Good. Um, we're, we're all like, we all live in close vicinity to each other and we're all really good friends. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people don't really realize that and kind of see us as like all these like big DJs, which we're just not, we're all just like mates that live in Bristol basically. And um, so yeah, having the night is just like an easy, really easy way for us all to like come together and share our sounds and the podcasts like, yeah, just an extension of that. Like, you know, we have all these city chats anyway. We hang out all the time anyway. It's like, why not like record this? And like, people will be super stoked to see that we're all actually are really good friends. And like, it's a bit... I don't know. What's great? Like, all the guests we have on it, I just like, like I say, we're just homies. So it's like, it's so natural. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, when did you start DJing? You know, it's all like right. actually yeah. interesting, <laughs> fun questions that friends would ask and shit. And like, like we just had too good. The one that's coming out this week is too good. And they, they just, they just went to Canada. So I purposely didn't talk to them until the podcast. So then when we started recording, I was like actually excited to ask them all this shit, you know? We yes. have to do that sometimes. Like we'll we have guests. Same, like We do the same thing. When we don't do remote things. Like, we'll just be sitting here, like, shooting the shit and, like, have some really funny stuff come up or, like, just be, like, howling about something and then realize, like, we, Wait. shit, we should be recording. Like, why are we talking? Like, stop talking. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Or, like, yeah, even I have if, to like, save it for the podcast sometimes. <laughs> yeah, even when, like, Megan comes back from, like, tour, like, I don't even think I talked to you about some stuff yet. Which well, I'm sometimes gonna ask I'll you. just get excited and start blabbing to you about it. And you'll be like, just Wait. stop talking until I'm recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I need to get like the genuine reactions. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, podcasts are a blast. So yeah, the first thing that I ever found you on, Will, was was Ghetto Funk. And man, I was so taken with Ghetto Funk. I It was such a nice transition from what I'd been doing previously, which was like electro swing kind of stuff. And I was really over that. And so finding like this new Ghetto Funk thing was so exciting. Finding, you know, you and um, Joe, like WBBL and uh, pretty much like Lack Gemin, all the all the dudes that were signing with Will Lardner at the time was like really exciting that I'd found this new thing that I felt like I sort of fit into or whatever. And the camaraderie mm-hmm. between everyone, like you're just saying, is like yeah. so close knit because everybody does kind of know each other. I mean, y'all know each other, obviously. But um, I do remember a while ago you had said you were you decided to go to school finally for music production. And I I never did that. So I was kind of wondering how you feel about that decision that you made to just like you had already been producing music at that point, and and I know like making great. Yeah, music. I mean, I've, I've been writing, I've been writing and producing music for like I don't know over ten years. I think probably like producing properly seriously for like almost ten years. So I already had all the um, yeah, I played in bands, I wrote songs in bands, and sung in bands, and played guitar in bands, and played trombone in bands, played drums in bands. So like I kind of already had all that sh- that side of it, and um, I kind of went to school to kind of fur- further the electronic-y kind of side of it, but. To be fucking honest, like I didn't really learn shit at, at college, but I still the best. St- it's still the best thing I ever did because it's not really about like going into the lectures and like you come out and you are fucking like next guy. You know, what I mean, it's not really how it works. It's like yeah. I had Putting three years. I had th- it's had three years where all I did was music and nothing else, and that's like invaluable. You know what I mean? Like if if I if I just like tried to do it in my own time and had a ho- it was, it was like a, it was like a hobby and I had a job, you know, it just wouldn't I wouldn't have progressed in the same way and like. Like that's literally all I think about now, and like I can't. As much as I'm not doing particularly well, like money wise, I can't go back to like having a job just because I'm so used to like this being everything I do and like having that focus is like that's the totally. main thing. I just just talking to someone about this yesterday. I was talking with Maddie o- O'Neill about this. We we were like, man, when it gets kind of hard sometimes, it, like I feel like, at least me anyway, I either feel like I'm it's raining or. I have nothing going on. Like, you know, like when it rains, yeah, it pours and otherwise there's nothing going on. And so in those little lulls that I'll have on occasion, which usually end, end up being in like the middle of winter, I think to myself, like, should I maybe like get a side job, maybe like go bartender or serve somewhere for a little bit of money yeah. or something. And then I'm like, Jesus, I just don't feel like I could ever work for anybody else ever again. Cause I think I'm coming on like seven years of being self-employed. I don't yeah, even know. Totally. I was like, you don't even want to handle me. They'd be like, Megan's back on her bullshit again. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So yeah, I don't. I don't know if I could do it, but I definitely think about it. <laughs> I, mean, I still do a bit of graphic design, like like yourself, you know, to get sort of make ends meet a little bit. Totally. Thank God. But for I think that. um a lot of it, you know, people. I'm so sick of hearing people be like, "You're so talented." It's like, fuck that, man. Like, I work hard. Like. Like it's not, it's not. It's not like one day I just woke up and I was great at production and like I was getting all these gigs. It's like. People don't understand that half of it is just a commitment, you know what I mean? Like people, these people are like, oh, you're so lucky. It's like, you couldn't fucking do what I do. You couldn't deal with like never knowing when the next money is going to come in and like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Being your own boss and like totally. being skint half the time Wait. and not being able to eat sometimes. But like, I, I don't mind it because I fucking love what I do. But like, you know, don't act like I'm lucky. Like I try, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying like there's a lot more to it than just oh, like. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think, think when people say things like, oh, I could never do what you do. I try to take that, I mean, I interpret it less as like that, 
them not saying like, I could never produce music like you, or I can never be a musician like you. It's more of what I think of is, yeah, you're right. You never could like have a flight at four in the morning and, and fly in and get delayed a halfway on your layover and then get sit in a car and drive six hours through the rain to a festival to get out and go on stage and play and go back to the airport and go home and do it again every single day. <laughs> and like, not know when your your next gig might come in and like this and that. I think that's the part of it that to me, I'm just like, maybe you couldn't do that. <laughs> maybe you couldn't have that instability. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a special kind of person. I think, yeah, I think the, I think the hard part for a lot of, a lot of people who look at musicians of any kind, any musician, whether it be a DJ or people who play in bands who are just like traveling around and like, that's their main gig is, is music. I think when people say, Oh, I could never do what you do. I think to touch on what you said, Will is I don't think they could, put in the time to get to that place, the time and the effort, because like you said, it yeah. is a lot of work. It's a lot, a lot of hard work that people just don't even consider when they say stuff like that, or when they see you up on stage performing for 45 yeah. minutes set, an hour set or a 90 minute set even, to get to that point, how many hours you had to put in to even get one gig like that. Yeah, yeah that's like, kind and of that's what, what people you know, can't fathom, I think. That's how you can justify, you know, getting paid a lot of money for an hour set off, you know, getting paid a lot of money for, a photoshop job that takes you 10 minutes it's like it's not about the time it takes you to do that one job it's about i spent 10 years l developing a skill so i could do it that quickly you know exactly it's like anything else it's like like look at like video games or technology like when the first ipod came out in us dollars it was like 900 bucks or some shit like that and the reason why it's that expensive is because of all the time they put into it you know yeah it gets cheaper but it's like that's it's the same thing my favorite thing that people like to say just in regards to, you know, uh, like that a job is real quick and easy. So if it's so easy, then how come you don't do it? Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I just need a cover art. It's going to take just two seconds. It could be real simple. I just need some font. I just need a little text on the bottom. It's super easy. It should take you two seconds. It's super easy. Well, you fucking do it. Yeah. Have fun in MS yeah. Paint, bitches. <laughs> Shout out Joe, to Mike Ryersey, who does his artwork in MS Paint. Nice. Yeah, so, and so, so WBBL. <laughs> I forgot about Joe Gale, dude. He does do all that shit in, in paint. That's hilarious. Yeah, man. That's been funny, funny, though, dude. I really enjoy that. Like, he totally so, owned that. It's so genius, because, like, Facebook can tell when there's loads of text in an image, so it restricts its reach. But if you do it on fucking MS Paint, it doesn't you can't tell if that's text because it's so fucking horribly written. <laughs> so it's like so true it just gets so like funny. bare reach. <laughs> that's a pro tip for anybody that out there so listening. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Just do use MS Paint, man. When yeah. I was a kid, I used to use MS Paint and I would like make like Mortal Kombat, try to draw Mortal Kombat characters, thinking oh, that's that, ambitious. That, that I could like turn it into a video game. Like that makes any sense. <laughs> 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 like I could make my own video game in MS that Paint. That is so funny. Dude, I think around that time you were probably doing that. I had just downloaded Fruity Loops 1, which wasn't even a DAW yet. It was a sequencer. Yeah. And it was so limited. It was yeah. just like a... That's what I started on as well. Really? I mean, yeah. Sort of. I mean, I started like... recording on Audacity and then I got Fruity Loops. And it's like, it like a demo that you couldn't, you couldn't actually save shit. So I had to just like make a tune in like two hours and then that was it. Yeah, totally. I, I would I pretty use much my cassette still do the same player thing now. to. I'd put my cassette recorder by my computer speakers, and I would record onto a tape what I had made. Really? Yeah. That's actually pretty tight. Yeah, and then I tried. <laughs> I started to figure out how to loop sound recorder, because you could open multiple windows of the app sound recorder on a Windows computer. So <laughs> I would record one thing into one, 
and then I'd play it out of the speaker into the microphone while I layered like over the top of it. Basically just like a like recording Sweet. on like an eight track. Yeah. Yeah, like I was like doing that with sound recorder when I was like ten years old, trying to figure out how how I, I could make a commercial quality world world exclusive with sound recorder. But no. The first uh, dance music I ever made was actually on a Game Boy. Like I have you ever heard of like LSDJ and all that sort of shit? Mm-mm. No. It's but like that's a um, great name. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tracker. You know what a tracker is? It's kind of no. like um, instead of like a door, which is like like linear, um, it kind of goes down, and it's like you put loads of like um, sort of commands as if you're on like terminal or some shit to make all the notes and all the bends. Like you have to synthesize each instrument from like a solid wave, and then save that as an instrument, and then like put all these commands in, and like like a Game Boy only has like three three uh, four waves there's like a noise um a noise channel and like two pulse waves and like a wave channel mm-hmm. and yeah i'd like make happy hardcore when i was like 12 on like this game boy <laughs> using this crazy complicated software which so i still like, probably couldn't even do now <laughs> but yeah there's a whole like scene for like chip tune like all stuff made on nes's and game boys and i used to just listen to that for fucking years and oh now it just God, sounds awful awesome. to me that's hilarious. it's nice and convenient how like daws are fluid now and like music production software is so much easier now. well it's so. funny how all the ways we probably all tried to figure out how to make music before we actually figured out how to make music right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was yeah i was on some ridiculous shit for a while just... i remember i took I, when i was like 17 um this was still this was this is like 2003 i downloaded audacity and I reversed the whole Roots song, and I thought it was cool. And I'm like, that's how easy it is. And I'm like, really? It's that easy? That is <laughs> like, so funny, dude. And I just thought it sounded cool. And then I realized, like, after, like, the 10th time listening to it, like, how over it I was. And I'm like, it's got to be more to it than this. Yeah, more to it than this. Dude, I remember realizing that you could use, like, Guitar Hero and Rock Band controllers as MIDI controllers. Because they both they all have the MIDI, the MIDI host, like, input on them. Oh, and really? so that was... Yeah, you can. So you can. I didn't you know can, that you just had straight up a MIDI port on them. That's cool. There is, yeah, and you cool. can just MIDI map things to like the four buttons on the neck and the whammy bar and the little pluck thing. And like I had That's these cool. delusions of grandeur that I was going to create some electronic act where I just brought rock band instruments up on stage and that modulated be, everything. That can still be done. <laughs> still be done yeah, no it's just like what how exhausting i'd rather just play the real guitar i guess well yeah me too man i, I always fucking hated guitar heroes because i'm like i try and play it with my friends that are like gamers and they're like better than me and i'm like fuck you i can play yeah. this on guitar i can play the real bitch. guitar yes, yeah. Yeah, dude i had the exact same thing like when in the first guitar hero came out i was like playing guitar for a while at that point and i go over and like my friends just playing like uh whatever the fucking Pantera, Cowboys from Hell, Pantera tune. <laughs> and he's just ripping it on like expert. expert oh. And I could barely like get through it on easy. And I'm Seriously. just like, this is not how you play. Yeah, this yeah fuck you guys. Works. I did not understand how good some of my friends were. It was like, they're idiot savants for expert guitar or hero. Oh, for guitar, if you're talking about guitar or guitar hero. Hero, yeah. like literally they're idiots and everything else on the whole freaking planet, but give them a guitar hero guitar and they'll play on expert all day. It's so ridiculous. It. Like if they just put that same time into playing the actual guitar. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, so exactly, right. exactly. And that comes full circle to what we were saying. Like, man, I don't know how I could do what you do. Well, I don't know how I could fucking play like fucking Dragon Force an expert on Guitar Hero, so like put the, the time in. The worst part dude. though is that they probably make more money by streaming themselves playing Guitar Hero than we ever will fucking making music. Seriously, yeah. I could spend right? my like, life learning fuck? clips of Dover, and people would rather watch someone do it on Guitar Hero. That right. is it's so shit. fucked up. I know, man. Ooh, clips of Dover. Now it's gonna be stuck in my head. <laughs> man. Anyway, 
What are your, one of your, some of your influences, cliche podcast question. Yeah, Will. we got to do it. We got to ask him. Um, I don't know. I mean, all sorts really. I mean, what influenced me to start Father Funk was um, Sticky Bud's Fractal Forest mix from 2011. When I first heard that, that was the first time I'd heard anything like vaguely kind of like, like all, all of my influence, all of my favorite things mashed up into one, you know? So that, mm. but in terms of just like general influences, like, I don't know, I mean, I listen to a lot of like old sort of disco and funk and jazz and sort of early 90s hip hop. Um, I love a lot of ska punk bands, like, I guess. So yeah, you ska play punk. the trombone, okay, so there's a Yeah, I, play, I played the in. trombone in a punk ska punk band. I played guitar in a punk band, drums, and so yeah, I guess in a way for me, like the quote unquote ghetto funk sound when I first heard that was like, I don't know, basically ska punk I fell in love with because it was, you know, horns on punk rock. And then when I heard horns on dance music, you know, with like ghetto funk, that was kind of like a similar yeah, level of excitement for me. I, I don't know. I just really like people that like combine different sounds, you know, like Sublime, like FK, FKJ, um, and Shikari, like, you know, bands that kind of like, yeah, just get two of my favorite things and kind of somehow really cleverly put them together. Totally. That's always, it's always kind yeah. of been my vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's Absolutely. very, I mean, f- forward thinking anyway. That's where everything new comes from, so... Yeah, I think that's kind of what an easy way to like make people excited as well as like in the crowd. Like, it, you know, if, if you're just playing straight up house or straight up drum and bass, there's always going to be something better than you. But it's quite easy to like get two completely different sounds and put them together and that to be exciting for someone, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's like totally, we're in a great time for that right now. Like the current climate yeah. is pushing toward everybody toward that. And even toward, a, toward things like outside of necessarily like our medium you know, like FKJ's playing on a fucking salt flat. What? Yeah, man. Uh, there's a go. If you haven't seen this video, everybody go watch it right now. FKJ just filmed this like live drone video of him playing on this like barge that they've built for him on a salt flat, and it looks like he's on another planet, like in yeah. Utah or something. Uh, yeah, and he's playing like literally all of his entire setup is on there by himself, like amps, everything. I don't know how they yeah. powered it. Obviously, a yeah. generator, or some shit, but it's literally. It looks like of not not of this world, and then he's yeah, doing really shit like playing shit. in front of aquariums and stuff. He's just yeah. taking it to a next level, like even aside from his music. Whenever I think of FKJ, I get really sad because I like his Every music. Every time he comes here, we're not I, here. I have never seen him live, and I'm like <laughs> 0 for three because he's been coming to our city like three years in a row now. And the first time Megan and I were on tour, the second time I think I had to work that last year, and then this year I was super stoked, so I bought a ticket. And I'm like I. I'm going to get off work. I don't, we're not on tour. I'm not touring or doing anything musically right now. And then I go double check my schedule and I have to go to my friend's wedding. So I got to sell my ticket anyway. Yeah. Damn. Like, man, every goddamn year. Yeah. He's getting huge though. We'll have our chances. Yeah, anyway. I, I saw him a few years ago. It was dope. That's I'm sure actually, it was tight. He actually played on the same week as my birthday. Like, let me have a look at my calendar. Cause like around my birthday, it was just fucking ridiculous. It was like, I saw Cohen sound twice cause it was their album launch. It was Hot 8 Brass Band were playing, which I missed. I saw the Test Keepers, which was amazing. And there was also FKJ playing. And there's also, who else was playing? Jacob Collier. Oh, Corey really? Wong, wow. Hen. Just, just like so much. And like this is like the three weeks around my birthday. And we had my birthday church of love as well. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty fat. Oh, my God. Did, was that uh, this past year? He said three uh, Yeah, this is fe- February. It's just, no, February. It's just been recently. Oh, I thought, well, I heard that wrong. My bad. Yeah, yeah. You just had a birthday like a month ago, right? Yeah, Valentine's Day is my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> a happy belated birthday. Thank you. Yeah, Jacob Collier is not of this world either. I don't understand. Yeah, he's insane. 
I think oh, he was in my yeah. college for the, my for my first year, but I think he moved to the Royal College of London afterwards. So, yeah, say, he's, did he's he just insane. start teaching the college? Because like that's yeah, he probably... should have been. He's fucking insane. <laughs> Seriously, another thing pace, to go he? check out if you haven't heard of him, Jacob Collier. <laughs> everybody, you got some releases coming up here soon. You just released. Um, was that your first LP that came out um, at the end of last year? Am I like completely off base right now? Yeah, I mean it was. I don't know. Probably quite. Probably like. Yeah, probably like a year ago around now, or maybe two years ago around now. I don't know. Um, yeah, heavy rotation. Um, and then I had, I've had an EP and a single since then. And then me and Joe released uh, Joe WBBL. We've got a new project, project called These Guys, which we that's did right. the first EP of in maybe December. I don't, can't remember. And that's no, like think, house, right? That's like yeah. kind of yeah. Sort of. Funky we kind of we kind of start out making French house, but it's not really French house. French house oh, is okay. like sample based, but I don't know. It's French e sounding. Kind yeah, of like, yeah. Daft Punky, but a bit more synthy, yeah, for sure. And then yeah, I've got I don't know, I've got shitloads of stuff on the go at the moment, but I've been um, I don't know, I'm kind of like trying to work out where where to take all this at the moment. I mean, obviously I do a lot of bootlegs, and it's hard to kind of put them out online anymore. And I do a lot of original music, and but then again, I think it's hard to kind of push original music without having like videos, and I just don't have enough money to invest in it. And like I don't know, I've got all this music that I'm really excited about, but I don't want I don't want to put it out, and it just kind of flops because I can't afford to promote it properly. You know? Yeah, dude, I hear you. Right. But yeah, I've got some really cool shit. Awesome, I'm wings. excited to hear it, man. I, uh, Lots of original kind of glitch hoppy, future funky stuff, which is a bit more close to like Grizz and sort of that kind of vibe, you know? Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm super stoked to hear that. Yeah, and with the video thing, I know you're talking about like right now, me and my management have been really talking about moving away from doing show recaps because everyone yeah. and their mother is doing one, you know? And unless unless the show is like unprecedented, you know, like EDC status, the, yeah. it's kind of becoming redundant to be doing show recaps um i remember even when they started everyone started doing them and I, even i found them to be pretty exciting but yeah they, it is like the oversaturation is unbelievable yeah for those now so it's not even that they used to be some easy content and now they're irrelevant so now we're back to let's make cool music videos and this and that but now we have to yeah. figure out how to do it like with the low budget and all this so right yeah, now i'm working fun, on man. this idea trying to get some exotic animals trying to let people use their <laughs> let people um or people let me use like their snakes and stuff yeah that's cool some cool crazy shop. shit so we'll see you know thinking I've on got the low really budget fat cat if you want to use him say what i've got a really fat cat if you want to use him he's <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'll pre- come get he's him, pretty yeah. exotic <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so before before we started recording here will you were saying uh you got a canada a couple canada tours coming up this year you got one right around the corner and one this fall yeah, I can't really say too much about the one later in the year, but um, yeah, got, I've got one coming up, coming up in April. Yeah, I'm doing Edmonton. Wait, let me see. Let me just get the dates up here. Um, okay, so this is April the fifth in Edmonton. The sixth hasn't hasn't been announced yet. Not, that might be Calgary or Saskatoon. I'm not sure yet. Twelfth uh, Winnipeg, thirteenth Toronto, eighteenth Nanaimo, nineteenth Cumberland, twentieth Port Alberni, and twenty first Fino. And then yeah, all the kind of big cities I've missed off there. We're all going to do in um, a bit later in the year. Potentially a Church of Love tour, which would be very exciting. That would be very exciting. That would be awesome. I that love Canada, worth, dude. That'd be worth a trip to Canada for me. Yeah, man. Yeah, sure. you want to come TM me? I would love to go to Canada. It's been too long since I've been there. Dude, Canada is like the shit. I feel like I've talked about it a billion times now on this podcast, but like ever <laughs> since I played there like three times last year, I've just like, every time I go there, I'm like, hell yeah, Canada. I can't wait to go. Yeah, man. It's the shit. I'm excited to go back. It's been a, I've not been since, probably since Fozzie actually, so. Have yeah. you contemplated moving there? I feel like a lot of people transplant over there. Say that again? 
Have you ever contemplated moving there? I feel like there's like oh, lots yeah, of New yeah, Zealand, yeah. Australian, like UK transplants, especially in no, our I, genre. I, t- I totally want to do it. I just, it's just like, I'm, a, I'm at a point where I haven't like, I make enough money just to live right now. I don't really make mm-hmm. enough money to like save up for shit like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, Definitely. That's, de- that's definitely the plan, you know, at least for a little bit. I'd love to do like, Vancouver Canada. Island or some shit. So yeah, ma'am. I didn't realize how much work I guess it was for someone to move to the U.S., specifically to start touring and playing music as opposed to moving to Canada. Oh, and, yeah. Man. And thus the reason, you know, why Slink still lives up there and um, why the Funk Hunters still live up there. And it's really expensive. I've heard, like, you know, up to $10,000 to get a visa to come play down here for a month when you're when you're living yeah, in Canada. I think, I, think, I think the visa lasts, like, a couple of years. But, like, yeah, the cost, the cost of of the visa to play for that one month tour is going to be more than you'll make on that tour. So it's kind of fucking pointless, really. It like, is insane. Yeah. I had no idea that that was a thing. And I, I remember just being like bummed, like uh, WBBL came came over to Canada, maybe with you, I, about like a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe now. And I remember seeing that he'd announced that and I got really excited because I had been pulling a couple acts down here to play. I'd had Slink down here and we did like uh, Filibusta, Defunk and stuff like that. And so I was like, oh my God, sweet, Joe's in the area. Like he's just literally north of us in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Like I'll totally fly him down here and have him headline a show down in Minneapolis. And I was super bummed to find out that they had like looked into getting a visa and it was just like gonna cost him like five grand if he even wanted to come do that one show. And I was Yeah, bummed. it's crazy. Like Candace literally like, so why are you here? You're like, um, I'm, a, I'm DJ. And they're like, oh, sweet, come in. Literally, they are. And <laughs> like, sometimes they'll be like, oh, what kind of music you play? Like at customs. And you're like, oh, funk. They'll be like, oh, sweet, James Brown. Have a good day. Like, literally, they're so nice. <laughs> and they try and like, and sometimes I'll try and catch you out and be like, have you got a visa? I'm like, hey, I don't need one. Joke. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Sweet. Come in. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. I feel like when you come into U.S. customs, they'll like just try to fuck with you. I, I yeah, think man. some of them are just trying to figure out if you have an accent. To make sure you're around in the, not in the wrong line. <laughs> yeah. Canada rules. That was the moral of that story. Moral of the story. Go eat some Tim Hortons, everybody. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to plug before we hop off? Yeah, I guess like yeah, Shindig's next, next thing we got coming up. We've got um, my next church love event is probably the day this comes out. So I don't know if anyone's gonna be able to come to that. But yeah, if you're ever in the UK, come check out Father Funk's Church of Love in Bristol. Um, yeah, yeah and go check out music. Shindig too. The headliners yeah. this year is like I think what I see Charlie Estelle, Tuna, Estelle, Oza Motley. Ozo Motley. Oh, Ozo Motley, tight. Yeah, and they're DJ also Nemark. headlining Lightning in a Bottle this year, which I'll finally get to see Ozo Motley. Ha! They liked yeah, my ma'am. post the other day, but it was a picture of my eggs Benedict. I'm not really sure <laughs> how I feel about that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then we'll we'll be sure to plug the Church of Love podcast as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Make sure you check that out. It's a fucking check nightmare, out the Church of Love great. podcast. It, they just had an episode. By the time this one comes out, I think yours will be out the day before. Yeah. So yeah, if, I you hope can't, so. if you if you didn't get enough Father Funk on this interview, you can go listen to him and WBBL and all of his homies on the Church of Love podcast. Yeah, we'll throw a link. Eight. We'll throw a link in the description of this episode. So if you're on SoundCloud, listen Sweet. to this. Just uh, scroll down and we'll put it there for you. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks, Will. Have a good day. It was Sweet. awesome thanks to talk to you. Thanks for having me, man. Big gloves. Yeah. Take care, man. All right. And we're back. Hey. Hey. That thanks was great. to our second guest with an accent. So, hey, all right. we didn't ask him to do an American accent. We I didn't. really regret that. No, now. we didn't. All right. We well, should've. if you want to go hear a UK person do an American accent, 
go back one right now and go listen to our interview with Jack London because it's hilarious, man. That was his impression. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's the podcast for this week. Uh, be sure to go check out Father Funk's podcast. It's called The Church of Love. Church of Love. Church of Love. If you can't get enough of him. World exclusive. World exclusive. And yeah, that's about it. And we're looking forward to uh, all of his releases and everything he's got coming up this year. He hinted at a bigger bigger thing happening in Canada with him down the road in this, this fall. So keep your eyes peeled for that info. Yeah, definitely. And um, he probably will be playing some festivals up there. Maybe I'll be on some of the same ones and, I, and we could say what up. But we got some cool guests coming up. Anyway, we'll see you soon on GRP.